from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, with me, Mr. Lady Ada. And we're broadcasting live here from the Adafruit Factory in downtown Manhattan. We've broadcasted for the last 10 years or so. This is where we do our pick and placing, our machining, our coding, our videoing, manufacturing, our kitting and soldering and more. It all happens here, but right now it's uh, resting silently. A lot of people are at home. And uh, we're getting getting ready to do the show, so that's why, you know, even though there's a factory, there's not a lot of activity. Yeah. Sometimes we do shows during the day, you'll see some people on around. But uh, why don't we kick it off? And uh, Mr. Lady Ada, why don't you tell them what's on tonight's show? On tonight's show, the discount code is SBI Flash, 10% off in the Adafruit store, all the way up till 11.59 p.m. Eastern time tonight. It could be Spiflash. Spy or flash. Spy Flash or SPI Flash. That's the code. Use it and get 10% off anything we have in stock in the Adafruit store all the way Including up the new products. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about some of our live series of shows, including Show and Tell. Do a little bit of time travel where we're going to talk about some big news with Thetabox. Probably guess what it is. We'll be shipping eventually. We have some updates from the mailbag, your letters to us, some help wanted, jobs posted on the jobs board at Adafruit, jobs.adafruit.com. Some cool factory footage, some neat 3D printing from Noam Pedro. We have INMPI this week. It's from Rich Tech, your power partner, DigiKey and Adafruit. We'll talk about that. We're going to do some new products. We'll answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Join all 35,000 of us. We hang out there quite a bit. You can show and share your projects and more. You can also, you know, go on Mastodon, but we got this thing going over here. Yeah, we just, we're, we're <laughs> we got this, this for now. We got this thing going over here, too. Um, all that and more on Ask an Engineer. Okay, mm -hmm. um, so let's first pay some bills. SPI Flash is the code. When you start putting stuff in your cart, we have freebies. Ish. We have freebies when you order from Adafruit.com. $99 or more, you get a free Permaproto half-size breadboard PCB. It's a lovely PCB with gold pads, and it looks like a solderless breadboard. So it makes it really easy to take your project and make it uh, semi-permanent. We've also got the uh, KB2040 at 149 or more. Uh, it's an RP2040-based board with a stomach UT connector, castellated pads. It's ProMicro compatible and shaped. Um, it's designed for keyboards, but you can use it for a lot more. Uh, and it currently comes in pink, but we're gonna eventually run out of pink. So if you want the pink boards, yeah. now's a really good time to order because once we're out of the pink boards, I don't know when we're gonna get them again. Uh, free UPS ground shipping at $1.99 or more in the content of the United States. And $2.99 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. Wow, it's an NRF52840 based board a powerful BLE Cortex-M4 chip. It's got buttons, LEDs, alligator clips, switch, accelerometer, sensors, and more. It works with um, MakeCode, CircuitPython, and Arduino IDE. All right, and don't forget, when you make an account on Adafruit.com, we offer two-factor authentication. You should do that. You should do that on all the sites you use, but we also offer that. It's a good idea. As well, especially for things um, on our website, we don't allow just uh, guest accounts on, such as Raspberry Pis. 
Okay, we did some live shows today. We do live shows every week. We had a bunch of live shows coming up too, and uh, some updates. Uh, we just did just show and tell. Every single week, I try to pick out a project or something. I'm gonna say there's there's uh, there's three this week. Well, <laughs> yeah. the theme was lickability. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, Aaron uh, showed a really neat underwater how-to guide on how to make your projects work underwater essentially in like very harsh environments like salt water so we're going to show that video in that guide yes that was really neat just to see the video of erin in a full mermaid tail it's so hard and, to do what she did i mean like she's the best at this yeah um and then i also liked um so paul who does the circuitpython show.com if you haven't uh check out the latest episode um he went and visited someone who uses circuit python for like this cool installation trolls were involved good trolls not the once on Twitter. Um, and uh, check that out. And then uh, last up, uh, DJ Devin did a really cool costume and kind of put all, like, there's like a bunch of Adaf yeah. a, a big a big bunch of Adafruits. I'm not going to ruin the surprise. A showcase. Yeah, I'm not going to ruin the surprise, but it's uh, it's really neat because you can jam a lot of electronics in, in a mask and a thing, and uh, you can hear some of the uh, results from the... Uh, debut yeah. coming out candy. Some some kids yeah. were super scared, which is great. Okay, um, on Sundays we do from the desk of Lady Ada. We do it in two parts. Part one this week. What did you show off? Okay, Lady uh, so part one I actually showed. I've been doing a lot of revisions, and and you're going to see that in um, the store. A lot of our TFTs I'm revising to add iSpy connectors uh, to make it easy for people to connect uh, displays. So this is a capacitive 2.8 inch display. Um, with iSpy connector. And then um, I also showed uh, the prototype of the R uh, RP2040 Scorpio board. This is a board that we actually like designed a year ago and then I couldn't get parts and then yeah, I got out. distracted, but it's, it's coming out. So it's got um, eight channels of level shifted five volt output um, all on one PIO like contiguous eight pin space. And so it's um, designed to be used with the NeoPixelate library to drive eight NeoPixel strands. And the RP2040 is a great chip for that because it has um, a ton of RAM and it has PIO. Um, so I think this will be really useful for people who want to do big NeoPixel projects, maybe for the Halloween, uh, right. the holiday. <laughs> On a Halloween. Um, On Halloween. So we also do from the disc of Lady Ada, The Great Search. We do that with DigiKey. And this is when Lady Ada uses her power of engineering to help you find the things on digikey.com, which is a good skill because we're still in a bit of a part shortage, part constraint. But what do you help people find this week? Well, this week, you know, what's interesting is I, it was a, I sometimes I do little throwbacks to like what I think are simple components, but I forget not everyone knows about, which is resistor packs. Um, I've used resistor packs since we were doing kits. I used them on the Scorpio board to add inline resistance uh, to reduce um, the, uh, uh, not jitter, the um, ringing effect of high frequency signals going over long cables. Um, you know, 100, micro, uh, 100 ohm resistor helps just tamp, tamper down the, the capacitance and inductance of those wires uh, to reduce ringing, which is good for new pixel drivers, but I didn't have a lot of space on the board. Um, so I showed how you can spec um, resistor packs. I, I use four pack, but there's also eight packs. There's bust, there's isolated, um, how to figure out the sizing um, and what I use them for. And also like when you might prefer to go with resistor packs instead of individual resistors uh, when doing manufacturing. Okay. On Tuesdays we do JP's product pick. That's when we broadcast live inside of a product page and you can get discounts. Here's this week's highlight. The Feather ESP32 S3 with four megabytes of flash and two megabytes of PS RAM. 
This is a familiar feather format, so you can use all of the different feather wings and such that you want to. It also has a Stemma QT connector mounted right there, right on top. The ESP32 S3 has Wi-Fi capabilities, which means it's a really great IoT board. You can use it with Adafruit IO, you can use it with Whippersnapper. This is actually Doom running uh, in real time on the board. I can't play it, but it's playing itself. It's running through demo loop. Uh, but that's kind of amazing. That gives you an idea of the type of power that you have on this board. Yeah, more than enough power on the uh, Feather ESP32 S3 to drive a real-time Doom experience. And oh, look at that screen. I love that. Uh, looks really good. It is the ESP32 S3 Feather with four megabytes of flash and two megabytes of PS RAM. Okay, and this Thursday, JP is off, so you will not see JP's workshop. There'll be a blog post that reminds folks, but if uh, you happen to be around in the Discord channel, um, let folks know. I think we update the uh, schedule, but probably need to update it tomorrow as well to let you know it's not gonna be broadcasting tomorrow. And then Friday we have Deep Dives with Tim, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's do some time travel. Okay, so time travel this Let's look week, at the future you, and the past. Yeah, and the present. Um, the, the, the best way to predict the future is often to just look around what's going on now. So this is hot off the press. Right, off, right before we went uh, live, um, Makes Board Guide was announced. Uh, they do one every single year. They do it in a partnership with DigiKey. And there, there's one of our boards on look the cover. The pink PCB. Yeah, the pink PCB. And uh, if and you're- I think there's the TV Pico there too. That's it, great. Unexpected it, Maker had a board. Yeah. Looks like the Pico W. If you're a Make subscriber, I think you can log in and look at it now. I, I happen to be a Make subscriber, so I'm going to log in or check this out. I have the app version too. Um, but I haven't uh, got a chance to look at it. I suspect there's going to be a lot of boards from Adafruit. And I also suspect there's going to be um, a bunch of things that can run like CircuitPython, for instance. So um, kind of cool. I don't know for sure, but this might be the first time a pink PCB has ever been on the cover of a magazine. That's nice. Uh, Looks like I, it's hard to see. This is the first. Well, this was this was the first time there was like a pink haired engineer. I know. And, um, well, I got to keep I got to keep the and, style. Yeah, this was from Glamour magazine. So this was the first time there was a pink haired engineer so now you've got pink, a pink pcb pink, pink 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 what's funny is actually i'm revising the feather rp2040 soon i wanted to just make a couple little tweaks we'll get back to pink eventually um but i did like uh the little pink a little pink party yeah so that's kind of cool and then uh, a little bit of a reminder so next week on tuesday adafruit uh, we have a paid holiday for our entire team to go help out with voting be poll workers to go vote in addition to you know the Companies are supposed to give people time off. We decided. We do, but in addition, let's. We decided let's make it a national holiday here. So um, please check out the website. When you check out the website, Adafruit.com, you'll see what we have um, for the shipping times and deadlines and everything. My suggestion is if you need something shipped overnight, might not go out on Tuesday. So order it on Monday or on Wednesday. Um, might still go out. Uh, we have some of our team, but um, a lot of us are doing a lot of, a lot of, a lot of civically of civically minded things this year. Yeah. Okay. And the big news that we want to talk about AdaBox news this week. All right. So. 
great news. Adabox returns 2023. We finally have enough parts to do the four Adaboxes we want to do all this year. Not possible. Uh, the chips we needed. Um, we Sensors, need, uh, modules, components, yeah. level shifters, we diodes. Get, we can get dozens of things. We can get hundreds of things. We can get thousands of things. It was hard to get tens of thousands of things. And Adabox subscribers can be into the thousands. We also had to not allow new signups. So Adabox has been in stasis for the year. And thank you everyone who's been patient. Uh, we've been doing updates. This video is so when we update the website, we do the blog post, and then we send out an email, folks can see that it's not like a phishing scam or anything. There's nothing you need to do at all. You can always cancel your subscription if you want. Just keep in we mind- We don't charge until it ships. Yeah, we don't charge until it ships. But just keep in mind, there's so many people signed up for when someone leaves Adabox that if you do leave, you might not be able to get back in. So it is good news. We're finally able to predict what's gonna happen. We'll be shipping the first one uh, March-ish of uh, 2023, if not sooner. And uh, the parts are here. Um, thanks to all of our partners like DigiKey, it's just been um, tough to plan something that has uh, tens of thousands of customers and not be able to know and that we're gonna- And do a good job gonna, and well, make not, sure that we can- we're gonna get it. Yeah. Like we're just starting to see some parts that we needed available for something as large as Adabox. So we didn't just want to do one Adabox last year. In fact, there wasn't anything that we could do just one Adabox. We were close. And uh, there's some things that we had to migrate away from. So we had one Adabox that relied on a microchip chip, microchip the company. Um, and they're still saying, end of like 2023 until we get those chips. So we had to redesign the board. Now it's gonna use maybe an RP2040 or an Espressive ESP32S2. So hooray, it's here. Um, we'll get the word out. Uh, thank you everybody. And uh, this is the video that goes along with all the information we're gonna get over the next uh, week or so to everyone. But um, stick around if you want an Adabox. Uh, but if you wanna leave and come back, that's totally fine too. Just totally remember fine. if you have an Adabox, you don't get charged until we ship, so you'll see that at the beginning of probably March. All right. Letters, we get letters. We get tweets and we get emails. We get your letters. All right, this week. Hello, I was wa I wanted to send a thank you for your product. I had a vision, what I wanted, and only your product fit bill. We are designing a nerdy room, and I wanted to make some of our old NES games look like they were glowing with your induction coils and LED lights. It was made possible, and I was one of the prouder moments, uh, prouder accomplishments we had for that room. Thank you again. I know to check out Adafruit first for any of my next creative oh, ideas. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I love those inductive LEDs. Yeah. Okay, help wanted. This is from jobs.adafruit.com if you want to post your skills up if you're looking for a job, or if you're a company looking for people, there's two. Um, both of these are really neat. Uh, one is a vertical farm maker. Um, you've probably seen pictures of those where you know things are growing using either hydroponics or variety of ways to make uh, plants grow uh, vertical, indoors, with artificial lights. Um, and there's an NYC flood net sensor engineer. 
Uh, about 10 years ago, New York got hit with, with uh, yeah, got hit with Sandy and it flooded everywhere and they're still trying to figure out how they can avoid some of the same problems happening again yeah. or at least alert people if something like does does happen again with uh, oceans rising and water levels rising it seemingly all the time. This is probably a good thing. So if this is something that's interesting to you and you want to help folks, check out jobs.adafruit.com. Okay, Python on homework time. Okay, so um, in the hardware newsletter this week, there is a Halloween roundup. Yes. So check out all of these things. So many skulls. You can see all of the things made with CircuitPython. And yes, pumpkins. Pumpkins and candy carrying devices and you name it, if it has sound or audio or whatever. Um, I have a bunch of news, but this week we're gonna focus on a very specific story which we have on our website and it's called Uploading UF2 Files with macOS 13.0 Ventura. We tagged Apple, Microbit, Raspberry Pi. Everyone is having this issue. Raspberry Pi has a blog post about this. Microbit folks reached out to us. Lydia, what's going on with this latest version of macOS? Because it seems like this happens every time there's a This is not the first major, time this happened. major version of macOS. And, well, it's also happened, I think, with Microsoft. I think one of the first Windows, oh, right. 11, Windows 11 yeah, yeah, yeah. release candidate, like previews also had this issue. So basically, um, you know, uh, Microbit and um, Raspberry Pi and Adafruit, we've, and, and everyone who's using our code, which includes, you know, like Seed and, and SparkFun and more, um, we use UF2 and, um, you know, fake mass storage bootloaders to load code. And that's because it's, it's really hard to get people to install things like ESP tool um, or to install Python, or sometimes you can't if you have a Chromebook. Um, they're locked down, so you don't have access to command line tools. Whereas mass storage is a universal interface for a USB. And so we, you know, having USB be the way that people program my controller boards is, has been revolutionary uh, for the last five years, which is um, super awesome. So um, that's great. And it's been, you know, you know, originally um, there was, there was bootloaders that used mass storage um, but until Microsoft came around and developed the UF2 standard, uh, it was really hard to do that reliably. And they actually did a very smart job of figuring out how to do it in a way that every major operating system, Linux, Mac, and Windows, um, could write to these drives cleanly without errors, and it worked like every time. Um, and that's been like for the last six, seven years or so. Like we've everybody's been using this. Uh, again, Microbit's been using this technique. Um, Raspberry Pi built it into their ROM bootloader. Adafruit's been using this. All of our boards that we, we can, we use UF2. It's, it's been great. Um, however, in the latest version of Mac OS 13 Ventura, um, they, the finder, when you drag and drop files, it, it does some sort of like read back thing. We're not exactly sure. There's something that changed um, in 13 from 12 where it um, does not like these small, you know, fake mass storage devices. And there's no reason it, it should have this issue. Um, and, and again, it's happened in multiple other operating systems, um, but it's just, what's one of the things when you like get the latest beta alpha release of an operating system, like th this has happened before and sometimes, you know, it takes a couple months and then we get it fixed and then it's fixed and it's wonderful. Um, so we're still, you know, trying to get in touch with Apple to be like, hey, you know, you, you decided to do something that's non-standard um, and, and broke this way of, what, you know, when you drag and drop a file, it should just write the file. 
it shouldn't try to do anything else and that's how it's been for like 25 years uh, 30 years on computers please please don't go back and do something different um, <laughs> um or so you can just always downgrade the system 7 which in my opinion was the best yeah mac os system so version on our blog post we have what you can do to help and also um raspberry pi does too so if you go to raspberrypi.com and look at the post of ventura problem um they have instructions on how to report this to apple using the feedback assistant and that will actually and, be really good because uh, to be honest the more people yeah. who bring it up it's not like oh like they're getting these complaints it's they actually look at the volume if they have a lot of people saying yeah. this is an issue they know it's important and they'll fix it and i know they'll fix it because this has come up before and it's yeah fixed they before. just need to find out does anyone care that this is broken yes um so be nice and everything just let them know hey like you know this thing that we all use for especially um kids learning electronics and coding with micro bits with raspberry pis with adafruit stuff um you could use a feedback assistant um there is a uh feedback, feedback number, number yeah. which is fb117250030 and then um you can also uh check out the GitHub issue that um, Raspberry Pi has open. Um, we have a summary of all this. There is a workaround where you can use like terminal. You can also, they also have Pico use tool. other things. They have, they have a couple things, but it really would be. That's probably not what most young yeah. folks are going to do when like the whole simplicity of how a lot of these things work is you just can drag and drop files instead of installing IDs and all that. So. so to be honest, you know, if you use UF2 a lot, um, if you're using Microbit, if you're using um, RP2040, I don't recommend updating to Ventura at this time, um, because unless you're comfortable using these command line tools. Um, you know, Ventura is, is ultimate uh, bleeding edge. Um, you don't have to upgrade for security reasons. You don't have to upgrade for support reasons, in fact, you know, and people who run Mac OS on the cutting edge, like you know, it's whenever yeah, you get I, the latest version, a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, your yeah. mouse stopped working I, well, once. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had to. Um, did yeah. you email the mouse developer? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of things that happen. So I have a production machine, and then I'm a machine where I'm like, let me start to see what's going to break with this new OS. Um, but sure has been okay. Um, there's a couple things about it. Um, if you're not, if you don't read all the things it does, it's like. Oh, that's weird. Um, so my, you know, computer was next to my phone or iPad, and my mouse went from one thing to another. So my yeah. mouse went from my computer to an iPad. I'm like, whoa, that's a weird thing that yeah. I didn't expect to happen. Like, why is my mouse on another device? It's cool. It's a cool thing. But you have to remember, like, oh, I turned this off. Stuff. You know, so, and I will say, like, you know, there. It's because you know, I also have people like. We have people who are like still running Windows System 7, which again was a great system version for Windows, but really is, is quite old, it's over 10 years old. Um, you know, Microsoft has a bit of a thing where when you upgrade the Microsoft operating system, everything is backwards compatible because it's extremely important to them. Yeah. Apple has a slightly different philosophy and there's no right or wrong philosophy, but they prefer to break things. Um, they do not, care about backward compatibility as much and so um i will say if you're doing if you're an electrical engineer and you're doing a lot of engineering and development um if you're on windows i recommend always updating to the latest stable but with mac i, I always wait move I, fast and buy iphones I, I wait on the mac because of this okay. comes up so often well, hopefully someone at apple will see all this too yeah. and uh you know this happens each time when there's a major uh os update so hopefully they'll check it out so like i said you can look at um Raspberry Pi, 
get our yeah. site. Um, you know, file a bug report with them. They make it pretty easy. And that's this week's Python Hardware News. Okay, we're an open source hardware company. We have 2,761 guides. Lady Ada, guides what is on the big board this week? Glad you asked. Um, okay, we have a new page on the uh, how to add a new board to CircuitPython guide. Um, we do have a requirement that if you're submitting a new board, you have to, you cannot use somebody else's USB VADPAD. Um, some people ask why, why can't I just gank your VADPAD and use it for my board? And there's actually really good reasons for it. And we lay out um, on the new page why, and also how to get free USB VID PIDs for your open source board, or if you're using a, a microcontroller um, from one of the, the more popular microcontroller vendors. Um, but it's not uh, optional. Uh, we really we really do need, there, and there's a check even, your, your board will not get merged if it's using somebody else's VID PID, and please do not uh, borrow from other people. It's, uh, it's not polite and will cause problems later. Um, we Believe me, in Arduino, we went through this and it was, um, there was a lot of issues that were caused by it. And so in CircuitPython, I kind of made the call, uh, you need to have unique identifiers. Okay. Um, and then uh, other guides, do you want to go through these? Um, oh, right, sorry. I usually start from the left to yeah. the left. Um, uh, second one, uh, Google Assistant for BrainCraft. Uh, the instructions changed, Melissa revised um, the instructions and um, so uh, it wasn't working something changed with how you set up Google Assistant uh, if you were having issues with this guide uh, please check it out it's kind of cool you can use a, a Raspberry Pi 4 um, and create your own DIY Google Assistant and also like get the text so you can actually do custom uh, commands with it so it's like DIY voice assistance um, for the Magic Band reader we'll have a video that's from Noah and Pedro uh, this is neat it's using RFID Wiz which is by friend of the fruit, James DeVito, he made, because he does a lot of um, interactive displays that use RFID tags. Uh, so he made a board that, you know, can pro like learn and uh, react to um, RFID tags without having to do any coding, and then, you know, mix that with CircuitPython um, to make uh, a cool uh, magic band reader if you're a big fan of the, the mouse park. Uh, we also have a new guide from Aaron, Light Up Costumes in Harsh Environments, yeah, we're um, which, we, which we chatted about. We also will um, show the video. Erin um, uh, has, a, she works at a dive bar. Um, it's not a, a dive bar like a sketchy place. It's a dive bar like where she dives underwater and she does it with an LED mermaid tail. So like, how do you build LEDs that can survive salt water immersion? Uh, she'll give her best tips. Um, we have a guide for the Adafruit PCF8575 uh, GPIO breakout expander, if you want to know how to use that. Uh, Melissa wrote a, a guide for a project that she showed off, I think, at um, uh, Hackaday Supercon, I think, or some other, I don't remember what conference it was. People said they really loved it, so she wanted to write up how to make a Bluetooth-controlled uh, Clue robot car. So you plug the Clue into this little micro-bit uh, enclosure and then you can um, control it with your phone and it has little animations on the display. And then Jepler finally uh, showed us off on show and tell. It's um, how to connect to an IBM PC XT keyboard, like the original really big, doesn't have LEDs on it type keyboard uh, with CircuitPython using PIO and RP2040. Uh, so she's been going through all these old style keyboards and showing um, how to connect to them with CircuitPython, turn them into USB keyboards. Okay. We're going to show the uh, jellyfish video, 
and then the light up mermaid video and then I'm gonna go into factory footage and uh, we'll see you on the other side so sit back and enjoy all the sights and sounds our oceans are full of life and few species are more fascinating than the jellyfish jellyfish are more than 600 million years old having survived all five mass extinction events some are deadly some have bioluminescence and one species may be immortal this tutorial will show you how to create your own luminescent jellyfish out of iridescent vinyl and NeoPixel LEDs. Easily add endless light patterns with WLED software with no coding required. You can even make multiple jellyfish and sync them up over your Wi-Fi network. This is a fairly easy project with no coding and just a little soldering. The end result is out of this world. See the full build tutorial at learn.adafruit.com. some factory footage.
Okay. Lots of videos tonight. Right. Um, so we're going to play the uh, How to Make That RFID Band mm -hmm. project, and then we have a speed up, and then we'll see you on the other side again. You can build your own Disney Magic Band scanner with electronics from Adafruit and CircuitPython. This project uses an RFID reader to scan your Disney Magic Bands and animates a strip of NeoPixels and plays your favorite sound effects. Powered by the Feather RP2040, this dev board is great for making props with lights and sounds. The RFID Wiz Kit makes it really easy to add RFID capabilities to your DIY projects. All you need to do to have it recognize your Magic Bands is hold it up to the RFID module and press the training button. This project uses CircuitPython to animate NeoPixels and plays audio files. The RFID module works like a button press, so whenever it's pressed, the NeoPixels animate and randomly plays an audio file from a list. Excellent. You can train up to 20 different RFID tags so you can add your whole Magic Band collection. To build your own, check out the Learn Guide at learn.adafruit.com. We hope this inspires you to check out the WizKit and CircuitPython for your next RFID project. to make all those grumpy things and scary things and more on 3D Hangouts every Wednesday at 11.30 Eastern Time. The longest running 3D printing show in the world. Okay, let's jump right in. NPI this week, brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit, is Rich Tech. That's right. I don't think we've done Rich Tech before. I, was I try to make sure that we get every different company because they all have their unique products. Uh, so this week is from Rich Tech. It's the RT3549. If I got that part number right, memorized. Um, so it's a, uh, it is a BGA component and it's very new, um, but it's, it was, I thought this was a very cool design uh, product idea. Um, something you would normally expect from one of the you know bigger, more expensive companies, but uh, Rich Tech, I do really love their power supplies, their boost converters. I use them all the time. Um, so I thought this was a very neat design. So especially, it's it's you know intended for laptops, but I think in tablets. But I think it could be useful for uh, people doing um, other lighting projects as well. So uh, like I said, this is the RT forty five thirty nine. Um, so this is a like, a, for me, it's like a four in one product. Uh, it's an NPI that does four things um, in, uh, you know, as one chip. And um, that tight integration, you know, is gonna make it, first off, very small. 
um, but also very efficient power-wise. So this is a 36 volt high efficiency boost converter with I2C controlled six channel LED driver. So, you know, there's all the specs on the right, but let's go through the, basically the four things that it does. Um, so the first thing is it's a boost converter. Um, so the input supply voltage is, you know, three to 24 volts. It can give you up to 36 volt output. Uh, let's go next image. Um, so what's nice about this design is, you know, this chip actually, you look at it, it has, I, I like how little you need to get it running. Um, the switch is built in. Uh, you just need an inductor and a uh, forward diode. Um, you program in um, the, the boost converter specifications over I squared C. But basically you can drive this from, you know, because it goes from three to 24 volts, pretty much any battery that you're driving your uh, system from, um, you can give the VN and the logic level for the MCU is different than the VN. It's actually like you can use, you know, 1.8 volt or higher for um, that signaling. Um, so your VN can come from the battery and your MCU can still use pull-ups on the enable PWM um, SCL SDA I squared C pins uh, to do the control. So for example, um, just as one of many registers that are available, you want to change the boost switching frequency. Um, this can be handy to avoid, uh, you know, beat frequencies between the PWM, uh, to avoid interference with the RF. Um, also, changing the frequency will uh, change your efficiency versus your power output and, you know, your inductor usage. So um, you can tweak that in software. Of course, there's a lot more settings that you can adjust in software. But the first thing is that this is a boost converter. So that's that's first step. goes up to 36 volts. Um, second thing is it's a six-channel constant current mirrored um, uh, sync driver for LED strands. Um, so actually, let's go, go back to here. So when you have um, LED backlights, again, this is designed for a tablet, although you, know, you could probably use it for uh, other lighting projects. You want to have all your LEDs at the same color temperature uh, and the same current so that um, you have consistent um, even color throughout the entire LED panel. Uh, and one way to do that is to have all the LEDs in a strand, uh, you know, they're all series connected, which is why you need that 36 volt boost converter, because you can have 10 LEDs in a row and now they need like 30 volts to drive them, but at least it forces you to make sure that they all have the exact same current between them. Um, so you might end up with a panel, especially a really big panel, um, once you get to like, you know, over five inch diagonal or 3.5 inch diagonal, you'll have multiple strands of five to 10 LEDs, um, but you want them also to be balanced between them as well. Like not just, obviously every LED in the strand has the same amount of current, but you also want each strand to individually have um, the same amount of current. And so if you look inside, there's actually a little current mirror on the bottom left there. Um, there's a box that provides the constant current um, control. Again, the constant current is control is all done by I squared C and um, it's mirrored to each one. Each one has a matching transistor, uh, you know, uh, emitter, whatever, uh, source, resistor, um, comparator, so they all get uh, equivalent um, current through them. And then there's also like a feedback loop that will let you know if the LED um, strand is open or closed. So that's good for debugging as well. So you don't uh, have shorts or if your LED panel is damaged, you can feed that back to the microcontroller that's running it. So part one, boost converter, part two, constant current driver. Um, Part three, PWM driver. Uh, so, it, you know, obviously you do have constant current to sort of s to set all the LEDs to the same brightness, but then constant current can do like very rough 
brightness control, but you will, PWM is where you'll get a lot more um, precision. And what I thought was really neat is um, one of the things we have a guide on is why you don't want to use linear control of PWM for LEDs because her eyes are logarithmic. And so that's why, you know, if you do linear control, you'll notice that as you get to dimmer effects, um, you, you start to see more flicker and you have a lot less uh, granularity. Whereas what our eyes really look like, you know, that's especially true if you're using night mode, right? At night mode, it's like there is like off and then just a little bit light and then really light and then much, much brighter, like it goes very quickly. Unless you have extensional controls, you see here, um, the PWM duty cycle is is done exponentially for you so that you get this smooth curve where there's a lot more control at the dimmer lights. And then as it gets brighter, it goes up very quickly. And this is, this is what our brains like more than linear. And that's handled for you. Um, so it's kind of nice. It's, it's all built in again over this I2C connection. And then number four is there's all this other extra stuff that they added in over I2C control um, to make the lighting um, you know, easier to handle. So for example, uh, slope management, like you want to go from one brightness PWM curve to another, um, you can actually tell it, hey, do a, a ramp for me or a slope and here's how gradually I want you to do it uh, to control. So you're not sitting there like manually tweaking the PWM rate over and over again to, to get your linear slope. You just say, hey, go from this range to that range, do it in, you know, 512 milliseconds um, and then you can check when it's done. So it's kind of like a four-in-one LED driver. Um, kind of neat. I thought it was like a really nice design. And again, it's designed for tablets and laptops because they get the best stuff. Um, but I think this would be very useful also for, uh, there's user projects or if you're doing um, like LED lighting, not backlight lighting, but just like, you know, you're controlling LEDs. Um, all of this extra capability would be so great. I mean, just even the exponential PWM control is miles better than most LED drivers that I've seen for like automotive or commercial use. Okay, and available on DigiKey. Check it out on DigiKey's site. It's not in stock, it's very new. Um, it's super new. It's super new, so there's not even a sign up page yet. Yeah. However, uh, if you're interested in this, do contact DigiKey Sales and they will get you samples. I've, I've found that's a very effective way to say, hey, I'm really interested in this chip. Yeah. Can you get me this samples? This is cutting edge ion MPI. This is the, the NPIest of NPIs. Uh, I, I prefer to go with ones that are in stock, but this one I thought was too good to pass up. All right. Hi, Okie dokie, before we get into new products, the code is SPI Flash. Use it or lose it. You have a few hours. Fear of missing out. FOMO. Someone else is saving money and you're not. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, let's see new products. Yeah. New, 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 all right. Uh, first up this week. Okay, a revision, but it's a pretty big revision. Um, this is the micro lipo. It's our you know plug into USB and uh, charge a battery charger. We use this for our lipo batteries, and uh, it's very convenient because again, I just love to plug into USB and then you just you know charge up your battery. Um, the older version had a jumper. It originally come would come with a hundred milliamps, and then there'd be a jumper on the bottom. You'd short that out and then you'd get 500 milliamp charge rate. But I was like, I was kind of doing a bunch of revisions and I was like, ah, you know, 
Um, let's revise this as well as while we're at it, let's add a switch instead because I made all the components of 603 instead of 0805. Um, I tucked them all a little bit to the right and then I actually had enough space to add a slide switch. So the slide switch, uh, you know, uses with any of our, our Adafruit batteries, do watch out for the polarity. I also had polarity markers um, in a very, you know, right next to the con uh, connector. Um, but you can switch from low, 100 milliamps, to high, 500 milliamps charge rate. Um, so if you're having little tiny little batteries, go with 100. If your battery is over uh, 500 milliamp hours, you can switch over to the charge rate to, to, to five, um, and you'll charge up in an hour or, uh, or less. It'll be much faster. So I thought this was a nice little update. Um, so uh, pick up a micro lipo. Uh, it's a great way to get your batteries charged up. Next up. Next up. It is a QTification. Um, still going through a lot of our old boards that have I2C and making them STEM IQT compatible so people can use them without needing um, to do soldering. So this is the SI5351. Uh, this is a really cool Scilabs chip that's a clock generator. We have a you know nice precision 25 megahertz crystal on there. And um, it generates three outputs. I think it's what eight kilohertz to 160 megahertz output. So, you know, good for if you just need like, oh, I need like a 10 megahertz reference clock or I want to, you want to clock something or a lot of people actually use it for RF projects. Uh, if you need a, a reference square wave, um, this will get it to you again. It's not a sine wave, it's a, it's a square wave. And uh, this, we're still gonna stock the old version, which is a little bit wider um, in case you want three SMA outputs because this has three output pins and each one is gives you a different signal so there, you can see zero ground one ground two um, you can control it over i squared c we have a library in arduino and we have a library in circuit python or uh, python um and uh yeah i think i'll just show really fast the two versions just because it's a little hold on let me zoom back out okay can go to the overhead okay so this is the new version, but again, we're gonna still stock the old version. So the new version, uh, it's much more compact and you've got the STEM IQT ports on the side. You can still connect one RP or SMA or RPSMA connector. Uh, use the edge launch and you just solder it on it. You, you know, the, the pads line up actually perfectly. Uh, so you can just um, solder right onto them. So here you go and you have one output. And that's actually what most people want. If you want to have SMA connectors, edge launch connectors for all three outputs, uh, you should keep with the old version, which looked like this and had uh, the three outputs at the top and then um, also mimic down here. So, so, you know, there's two mechanical layouts. I think people have use for both, uh, but for a lot of people, they really only need one output. So this is nice, connect to I squared C and you get um, you know, your outputs here, uh, three of them on a breadboard or one of them with a uh, edge launch connector. But both use the same code, and both use the same crystals, chips, and everything. So they're, they're cross-compatible. Okie dokie. And the star of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our entire team and staff at Adafruit, our community, our customers, everybody who's hanging out here in the chat, and everybody who helps make this thing go, is... Spiffy Lash. No, yeah. it's the SPI Flash breakout. So we had last week or the week before we put in the QSPI Flash chips, um, and those were great for um, three mega, three volt microcontrollers and boards that um, especially wanted to use you know quad SPI Flash control. 
However, there's still a lot of people who um, are using 5-volt microcontrollers and they want that level shifting. And in that case, uh, I recommend this board, which will give you an SPI flash chip. In this case, it's a W25Q16. That's a 16 megabit, two megabyte flash chip. That's the thing on the right. Um, a 4050 uh, logic level shifter and a three volt regulator. Um, so what is this used for? Well, if you're if you're doing a lot of data logging or you want to do you know data storage, we recommend a micro SD breakout board. We we sell those and they're also level shifted. Um, and what's nice about that is it's got you know file, fat file system. You can take out the SD card, put it into your computer, um, and remove and and move files around, rename files. Um, but once in a while, you you don't need that much storage. You want something a lot um, lower cost and a lot less power and a lot less complexity, and that's where SPI Flash is going to do the job. Uh, so it's not uh, where leveled, but you know you have 100,000 writes. Um, it's not organized in any format unless you want to. So if you want to format with little fs, you absolutely can. You want to use FAT? Go ahead. You want to treat it as one big flat memory file? Yeah. Totally cool. You can do write whatever, that on the back. Do whatever you want. Yeah, put a little bit of space on the back so you yeah. can you can write stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know we have uh, you know we have once in a while we have projects where it's like you can data log to it. Um, it's nice because it's mechanically stable. You know if you once you solder onto the board, there's no risk of like the micro SD card uh, coming loose. You also don't have to deal with corruption because again it's one flat file system. Um, you know we have Arduino libraries for it. Um, it's kind of a well-known chip style. Also, if you have existing um, older projects that used DIP SPI flash, so these chips used to come in DIP format, and they don't anymore. And you're like, okay, I have to, re, you know, I want to fit something in place. Um, this will do the job because they don't make five volt compatible SPI flash anymore. But this basically is the equivalent of a five uh, volt SPI flash chip. Uh, that's breadboard friendly. So I think, you know, still very useful if you don't need a ton of memory, um, which is, you know, would be an SD card. You don't need a tiny amount of memory, which would be an I2CE EEPROM. You know, these chips, two to 16 megabytes um, of storage and then uh, format it how you like. And again, a universally understood chip. Of almost every microcontroller uh, board understands, you know, how to talk to SPI flash. Don't forget, the code is what well, we just talked about, SPI Flash. Um, we're going to do questions right away because we're going to bounce tonight. Yeah, we're right on time. Yeah. You can so, be like, oh, let's go. Yeah, I'm going to try to do that. So uh, you can ask your questions. I have some lined up in Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Um, go over there, and we will start. Okay. First up, is a USB VID PID required for USB 32? It doesn't have native USB, but I'm also not fully versed in the WebBT workflow. This actually covered in Jepler's page that it's in the guide. Uh, if it's a fixed VID PID, because you're using a USB serial converter, um, or there is no USB, no native USB, um, you would use a unique identifier, um, and uh, the page shows you how to get a unique identifier, which is not a VID PID, but it's still a way for us to identify which port it is. Okay. What's the latest with uh, our Fluffy project? It's it's happening. We're actually, uh, we're, we, we had to take a break video. from that because it was extremely fun, but we had to focus on keeping stuff in stock. Yeah. But now that things are a lot better with the chip shortage, we're getting back to some projects. Yep. Any 1,000 to 1,600 nanometer spectrometer suggestion? Um, that's above infrared, huh? Uh, I don't actually know of anything. I know that 
that there is there was a spectrometer project or sensor from uh, like this one Japanese company I can't remember it. Um, you actually probably have to find somebody who has built something and see what they use because I don't know what uh, what sensors would do that range. Okay, next up I think. Uh, Chef might have some help on one, but this one, finding conveniently compact uh, BSS 138 is too slow for NeoPixel in her kilohertz data signal for compact SMD. Should I use the SN75 or something else to do that fast logic level shift from 3.3 volts to 5? UberGuide is awesome, but just points to bulky quad logic level shifter. Um, you could, you know, if you're if it's surface mount, you can go with a 74 AHCT or HCT. You definitely want the T in there, the last letter because um, that will give you something that can take transistor level inputs and shift it up to five volts cleanly. Technically, the, the LVC series wall, you can use it, and I, and I use it. Um, first off, make sure you can run off five volts. You have to, have to be a five volt safe. Um, and you want to make sure that it can trigger nicely at three volts and not, you know, if, if, you're, if your power ends up going a little bit higher, like 5.5, just make sure that you're still triggering it. But um, we, you know, we just have a, a through-hole version because that's what most people want to use. Okay. Do you suspect with the advent of CircuitPython 8 on ESP32, another wave of dual-core feature requests might turn up? They might. I mean, they, you know, we're waiting for Scott to come back to chat about how we want to handle uh, dual-core support. You know, we probably want to just pin um, some functionality. I don't know if we would necessarily allow people to choose what goes onto the second core because there's... There's a lot of locking stuff that has to handle, and I know Jepler and I chatted about this, but we'll we'll revisit this more. But we'd probably put you know graphics handling, um, or audio handling on the second core, Wi-Fi handling, and let user code run on the first core. Um, we're not sure we want to necessarily have like anyone put any command anything on any core they want because there's a lot of you know we're not we're not running a real-time operating system here. We're running a an interpreter. Um, there's also the coprocessor on the S3 that I know Jepler's looking at. I don't know the answer to this. And Does the WEACT STM32H750 work with the STM32 Cube IDE? I don't see why not. Yeah. You know, pretty much everything works with the STM32 Cube IDE. I haven't used it, but I know that it supports you know pretty much every STM32 chipset. Okay, note that we have Wi-Fi on the second core and ESP32. Uh, S3, don't know if that's done on ESP32. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think we just haven't, we're, we're still chugging through stuff. Okay. Uh, I think that is it for questions. Thank you, everybody. Wow. Perfect yeah, timing. Got out. Um, that's our show for tonight. Don't forget the code is SPI Flash. Use it until Spiffy. midnight tonight. Thank you so much for spending your Wednesday night with us. We very much appreciate it. This is our favorite time of the week, in addition to show and tell, where we get to hang out with some of y'all and talk about all the cool things we're all making and sharing. Um, however, things are going to work out in the future. I know it's going to be science, technology, engineering, people coming together and sharing all the cool things that they like to build together. So. That being said, it's been an Adafruit production. We'll see everybody next week. This is your moment of Zener. Bye, everybody.